All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I uh, am here with Glenn Twiddle. But before I get going, I've got to introduce myself. My name's Peter Clements. Uh, I am uh, the principal of Mint Real Estate of Claremont. Um, I'm also one of the co-founders of Open Negotiation. Today's session really is about sharing with you secrets to help you sell more real estate, be better in your trade, and certainly in the time right now where the, the best are the best because they are learning more every day. This is about you guys taking the time, getting something out of it. And you know what? <clears throat> I, um, I, I just love talking to Glenn because he's got more animation, more energy than me even, I think. But uh, Glenn Twiddle has built a wildly successful business from spending thousands of hours uh, committing to figuring out what actually works in real estate particularly in the fluctuating markets that have been Queensland, WA, um, even the, you know, the up and down markets. And he's best known for his lead generation, social media, getting appraisals and uh, being an all-round awesome bloke. So, well, uh, Glenn, the last one, but anyway, I'll take uh, it. I'll take, take, it. <laughs> take whatever you can. So, um, let's kick things off, mate. Now, the way this is going to run, ladies and gentlemen, it's, I, I don't know why uh, the guys here have made me do it because two people that know how to talk a lot are, are Glenn and myself. So, but we're going to try and do rapid fire 20 questions and we're going to try and get through as many as we can in the time that we have, which is now 58 minutes. So, stay with us, folks. It's going to get exciting. Glenn. What's your wow. background and how did you get where you are today, mate? Jesus. Um, okay. Uh, the, I, was a, I was a singer guitar player and then I worked in a casino. So I did all fun jobs for my whole life. And then a mate of mine said, what happened to many of us? Do you want to get into real estate? So uh, spare time. I didn't do anything during the week because I was playing music on the weekends. So I had nothing to do all week. So I started as a hobbyist, right? Just dabbling during the week. And um I got pretty good at it, but the method with which they taught me prospecting, so they taught me a cold call script, they taught me a listing presentation, which was fantastic and it worked great. I could go up against the best of the best of the best and win listings with this presentation that they trained me. But those were the only two assets they gave us, cold calls and this listing presentation that worked. And we using that got to number one in the Brisbane CBD postcode, but I despised it. And like I was talking to you off air, Pete, uh, about my desire to be liked that is kind of necessary like I literally don't like having 98 people in the world that I would speak to for every hundred hate me in some way and tell me to you know swear at me and all of that stuff that was through the prospecting thing so I needed to find a way to get those two people that were maybes or yeses out of the hundred connects a day that was the KPI within our company that, by the way, I could never reach. I would pull up stumps at about 150 connects a week before I would be in a fetal position on the ground, just waiting for our sales manager. He used to pay speakers to come in like Pat Masidi or Kurek Ashley to come and scrape us off the floor, prop us back up in a chair, say, you can do it and let us loose for another week. So the best in our company could do 100 connects a day book two or three appointments and then convert one or two appointments a day and list a whole bunch of properties. You know, I couldn't quite perform at that level because I just despised it. But what it did, it inspired me to go and find a better way so that I didn't have to get rejected by the 98 in order to speak to the two. And that's what I've been perfecting for the last 15, 20 years is marketing to get people to come to me. So I'm not this chaser annoying the hell out of my 
my, my, you know, my, my patch, my farm, I get those two or three to come chase me. And that's the art that I've been trying to perfect. And, you know, in the last sort of five, seven years, we've perfected it. And it's great to have when people come to you predisposed to want you. It's bloody amazing feeling. And it makes this business and even my business a pleasure to be in, not the torture that it was in, in my background in history. Mate, it sounds like setting up systems is something that you're into and, uh, and certainly setting up ways of doing things better is, is what it's all about uh, in real estate. And so, mate, we're going to get to the, the rapid fire stuff, but what does a day look like in your life right now? I was always a guy when it was Michael Spillane that got me into real estate and Michael was a lunatic. Like he was up early. He was still, I remember once I left our office at 9 PM having started a normal time. I left at 9 PM and he looked at me and said, ah, oh, so you're doing bankers hours today. Are you? I'm like, Whoa, man. You know, so, um, but for the most part, once I hit my KPI every day of I've booked a listing presentation, I would leave the office. If that happened at 11 a.m., I'd be gone. If that happened at 9 p.m., I'd stay till then. Um, but I was, a, but most of the time it would happen in the afternoon. So I'd go. Like I was a bit of a lifestyle guy, certainly for that first year. Reflected, I had 77,000 in my uh, tax certificate that year, 77,000. So not bad for a part-timer. In recent years, I've become Michael Spillane. And Michael Spillane, uh, look, he still goes hard, but I reckon I go harder in that this morning I was up at 3.30. Um, you know, now for no other reason than I can't sleep anymore. Like I'm up because I've got this shirt that I wear sometimes it says no alarm clock needed. My passion wakes me. And that sounds cliche, but it's true. Like when I wake up at three, I can't get back to sleep. So I'm doing all of my non-dollar productive work. I'm writing ads. I'm putting ads up on Facebook. I'm, I'm doing everything that I do that doesn't require me to talk to a human. Then all day I talk to humans like yourself, like one-on-one -on -one coaching, like, people talking to me about, hey, what's this lead generation system? Can you really do my prospecting for me with our, our company called Agent, uh, what's it, Agent Prospecting? We've just renamed it. Because um, I used to only offer it to my students, like if they couldn't be bothered prospecting with Facebook or what. So a day for me is non-dollar productive work from whenever I wake up till business hours, then dollar productive work of whatever I've got to do appointment wise. And if I can be done by the evening, then great. But often I'm still going, you know, because I've now got a bit of an international reputation. I can start with the USA at 3 a.m. if I need to be on a USA podcast. I can work all the way through till 10 at night where I'm still talking to a West Australian person because, you know, having international time zones and New Zealanders three hours ahead and WA two hours behind, that can add an extra $5 productive hours to a working day. So of late, a typical day of me, you don't want to know. It's ridiculous. <sighs> Hey, I saw a post that you did the other day and it was an apology um, post. And I, I, I love watching your stuff because it's, it always grabs me and I, I, I've learned about marketing and the hook is, is the big thing. What was behind the apology post? It got lots of, lots of traction, didn't it? Yeah, well, I was running a promotion. I've never really run a promotion of that nature before where you put together an offer and I did it sort of... Um, because COVID was on, I had a back catalogue that only my private students really had access to. You know, with, when you got speeches and coaching lessons from Mark Burris and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Richard Branson and Gary Vaynerchuk and just a who's who, why wouldn't I have ever put together a mega deal, a mega offer? So I did that offer and I had the emails for that offer written by a copywriter. 
Now, I looked over them, so I took responsibility for them, but they were written by a pro, not by me. And one of them was a bit heavy-handed towards the end. It said, uh, the subject line was good enough to get you to open it, and a bunch of people clearly did. And then the first line was, we've got a problem, then it would insert your name. So we've got a problem, Peter. You may not care about it, but I do. And so that was a bit provocative. Now, I looked over it. I didn't see it as passive aggressive, even though I knew it was quite forward. But out of the 40,000 people on my email list, I got about 10 or 20 complaints who took offence to that. So when you say, what was that all about and why did the apology the next day happen, you just... Actually, I think I might have even apologised straight away that day. Yeah. But anyway, whatever day I sent the apology out, it might have been that day, like the complaints came in, I went live and I apologised straight away. I don't really owe an apology to 20 people out of 40,000, right? But the fact that there was 20... And by the way, I wrote it in Naomi's name. That was another part of the marketing. It was from Naomi technically, even though it was from a copywriter. And I proofed that Naomi didn't even know I did it, right? But it was the, the reason that I did it, both the original email that got all the attention, it was the best sales that we had for the whole promotion, which is the real answer, um, even though the apology was genuine because I felt remorse that 20 people were upset. That was never my intention to get people upset. But a more callous person would do it on purpose every time they run a promotion because for those 20 that took brutal offence, there might have been 39,500 who one way or the other saw it, didn't see it, liked it, didn't like it, whatever the case may be. But 500 people took action on that email and bought the product. If I'd have just sent out an email saying, hey, the seven steps to listing success training is here, I would have made five sales, not 500, you know? So whilst the apology was genuine, that I never want to hurt anyone's feelings and I never want someone to think ill of me, even though no matter what you do to 40,000 people, you can't not have someone hate you, no matter what you say, but I still regretted it. And I used that regret that I genuinely felt as, as you just described, the marketing hook that allowed me to email again to apologize that got another, because no matter how good your emails are, you're only going to get 10, 20% open rate. So if I can email again with an apology, I might get a different 10 or 20% of people open it. I get the industry talking. I get the haters hating more, but again, they're still talking about. So I remain top of mind. And because it did come from the heart and it was genuine, those who were already on the fence, whether I'm all right or not or whatever, probably saw that apology as it was intended, a genuine regret for offending those 20 people. Some people saw it for also what it kind of was. Ah, he did that on purpose just to be a marketing guy, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? So for whatever reason, it felt right to do at the time. I knew there's very little you can do wrong if you apologise. It ended up taking 28 minutes to do that Facebook Live apology. And that was probably over-apologising for, you know, in today's day and age with some of the vitriol and horror that you see on social media, even within the industry, what I did was pretty tame. And, and it was one who got all the people talking. 
And, that's and this, 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 I think, goes back to your thing, which you don't like upsetting anyone. And for everyone that's listening, and, and please, if you've got questions, because I'm going to ask questions, I'd love you to ask questions as well. I've got the girls standing by to tell me what comes in on Facebook and stuff. So get them going, ladies and gentlemen. You don't get, get Glenn Twiddle as a one-on-one very often that you can ask questions to. But, mate, um, it comes back to your generosity. You're not wanting to upset anyone. That's just your human nature. I said it was your DNA or probably your parents' fault that you actually care too much. But everyone that is watching, I think what Glenn has just touched on is just so important, that being genuine is just so important. Genuine in an appraisal. Don't try and take on scripts and dialogues and not make them yours. You know, don't, don't do stuff that just doesn't feel right for you. And always just remember, if you are being a prick in an, a, a listing presentation because you need a holiday, have a holiday because people do business with people they like. What, would you say that would be the case, mate? Oh, for sure. Um, it was, I mean, that particular principle, I suppose, is I don't proofread my emails. I just type what I'm thinking at any given day and see what happens. So um, for that reason, there's often spelling mistakes in it. Well, that, that sort of is just me. So I'm now known as the guy who writes bad emails because there's no spelling. But to cut through clutter in today's day and age, like think about the amount of emails sitting in the average agent's email inbox. Like if I've got to cut through 150 emails, the seven steps to listing more seminar or whatever is not going to do it. So my particular method of doing it is whatever insanity is going on in my head, just type in it, click and send. And as you said, you, you, you even said yourself, you like following my stuff because you never know what madness I'm going to get up to or what crazy stuff is going to come out of my mouth. Um, there's some consideration to it, but not as much as many would say I should have, but in that, in that way, I suppose I'm doing more than just educating. There's also a degree of entertainment, I suppose, in watching the narrative unfold. You know, I remember I, when I first hired Arnold Schwarzenegger, it was the first big thing I'd done, and I put it out there to the world, and there was an, an uproar from, let's just say, detractors, accusing it of being a publicity stunt, that I was lying to the industry, that I had not booked Arnold Schwarzenegger, and that it was me with a big hoax publicity stunt ripping people off from their money because the tickets were on sale. And um, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall at that sales meeting when they saw me on Channel 10 with Arnold and all of that TV exposure and all that stuff. So it's all about getting attention almost by any means necessary because if you aren't known by your by your community, and that will not be through your professional scripts and dialogues, let me assure you, they won't remember you at all. You've got to be you so that you and your personality can influence those people there. They go, oh, yeah, that's Peter. He's my real estate guy. You know, he's, he's a good bloke. They know you're in real estate. They know that. They just like and know and resonate and connect with you. Because, if you know, think about it, Pete. If you try and connect with someone on a real estate agent level, well, what does the average person think of a real estate agent again? If you've seen all the, all the lists of the most trustworthy professions, a real estate agent's right at the top of people they want to embrace and connect with. No, they're down the well, bottom. Let's get to that, right? Because we, we definitely want people to be able to get more appraisals. That's what I, one of my key questions today for you is about getting more appraisals. But one of the things, and I think everyone struggles with social media, getting in front of a camera, getting the, that, that, that moment of courage to try it for the first time. I watched a guy from First National yesterday on, a, on one of the uh, 
uh, on, on a Facebook thing. And there he was in his car. He was probably in his late 60s, 70s. And you could tell he was absolutely shitting himself. But it was so beautiful and authentic. And the guy had more knowledge than anyone. I was compelled to listen to him. And you could see, he actually started off going, oh, the guys in the office have sort of talked me into doing this. But after a few minutes, he was just amazing. Tell me, mate, what, what, what do you think about that? Because it's relating back to what you said about being there in front of people so they know who you are as an agent. Tell us what's the secrets that you would tell agents right now to make sure that they become the front of thought. Mm, well, social media just can't be ignored. I mean, there's a bunch of people watching us, I'm sure, now live on uh, Facebook. Um, that marketing media is the i mean it's it's better than the printing press ever was it's better than the advent of television it is the next communication revolution and most real estate agents are letting the opportunity of one cent per eyeball pass them by it's embarrassing how i go to any page i see them put up a listing or a a bad uh, request for appraisals or some other professional thing I'll see three likes on that post, which is them, their mother-in-law and their PA um, and nothing else. So they think they're doing Facebook, but because they haven't taken that little bit of an extra learning curve to learn how to drive that marketing media, they're letting the opportunity slip them by. But in their head, they're getting their social media message out there to three people, them, their mother-in-law and their PA. Their community aren't seeing them. So if any one of your viewers has ever seen me on social media, that was not by accident. And that was also not because I deserved to be there. I paid one cent for me to shove my ugly mug in your timeline. Um, and I've paid probably close to a million dollars. So if that's one, two or three cents per impression, think about how many times I've shoved this mug into a real estate agent's timeline. Well, that's how much I paid. And that's, by the way, had a multiple um, return on that investment. Sure, I might have paid a million odd bucks since Gary Vaynerchuk told me to go all in in 2015, 200 odd grand a year on average. Fine. That's bought me a seven figure business. And I now get mentioned in the same breath as the icons of training in this industry. The Tom Panos's, Lee Woodward, Michael Sheargold, all the people I've learned from they put me in many conversations in that category. And what I would say is I don't deserve to be there. I bought my way into that top few, whatever, um, with a million bucks. And it's returned me a multiple therein. So, guys, that's the principle. You need to do that. If you're up against some great agents from yesteryear, at one cent per impression, the first thing is you need to know how to target your audience. Geographically and age are the... First two things to kind of learn how to do. Secondly, you want to learn what creative is going to get their attention, meaning what imagery, what emote icons, what text, etc., is going to get their attention. And I'll give you a tip, one that's not. Um, want to sell your house? We're offering free appraisals this week. There's the one not to do. Let's put that on the note, don't do list. Um, don't just transfer the same rubbish that was getting ignored in letterboxes and transfer that online and think it's going to do any better. Um, so what to say, what to post as far as graphics and, and, and verbiage, and then willing to spend some money to shove it into the timelines of the people that are likely to pay you both now and in the future. You know, because there are some people, Peter, um, I know you're over in, in, in WA, and um, this, uh, I don't know how far down towards Mandra you get, but there's an icon uh, down there um, who his, his wife, Beth DiPrinzio, I don't know if you know the DiPrinzios, but again, um, Jules DiPrinzio is DiPrinzio property. And 
Beth and, and they'd been watching me since 2014. And they weren't exactly fans in 2014. So over the next five to six years, one cent at a time, I wore them down until, you know, I think six months ago, they became clients and now are great advocates and we've been working together ever since. So we loved the jewel. We loved the Prinzios because they that equally took on open negotiation a year ago in a tough market in Mandra mm. where they, you know, and he's an auction guy, but you know, it's a private treaty type business really. Mm. And uh, he's just been kicking goal after goal after goal. And so, yeah. Hello to Prinzios. If oh, you're if watching you one big shout out, mate, um, emails. Okay. You, you're the king of emails. What uh, email, what's an email that an agent could send tomorrow that would actually entice people for an appraisal? The subject line needs to get attention. So the one that got all the open rate, the best open rate of that promotion I did was your number four. What that provokes is curiosity to say, was that me, right? One of the ones I got great open rates was, was what up dog? Now I'm not saying that should be your open rate. Although if you've got a house that's pet friendly, perhaps what up dog would be getting good open rates. What you don't want to do is um, thinking of selling or just anything that any other real estate agent would ever have done. But the other thing with regards to emails, and I will give you some, is we need to be less reliant on them. Like, don't think for a second that if an email comes in from Bob at Harcourts or Bob at Ray White or any corporate brand, that it is going to be getting the open rates that we used to enjoy when email marketing was a thing. When I used to get 50 to 60% of my list open emails, so emails need to be not relied upon, not even, I treat emails now like a bonus. Even though you say I'm the king of emails, I certainly do email a lot because I don't rely on them. I just go to it and just whatever happens, happens because it's the least opened and read media of almost all of them, you know? So I'll give you some examples though of what you could say is the last thing I would say about the principles. And then I'll give you some examples in the group, but Robert Collier has a principle saying, enter the conversation that is already going on in the minds of the consumers. So what's not going on in the minds of consumers is, I think I might like to sell. Most consumers, right? But what might be going on, even with a real estate flavor might be, hey, and making sure you use conversational language like this, ditch the formality. Because if you come across formal, it flags in the mind of those consumers this is to delete. It's like you getting a letter in the mail that says to the householder. You throw it away because it says to the householder. So loosen up the formal language and maybe say something like, hey, are you still in that bloody lockup? And when I, I'm just going off the top of my head, right? Because this is how I write emails. Hey, you're still in that bloody lockup. I don't know. And I don't know if you swear or not, but maybe a little subtle swear might be okay if you're cranky about the lockup. Yeah, well, it's looking like we're coming out of it. And I don't know what's happened to, to sort of property values specifically in your area because I serve a lot of people around the south side of Perth. But um, look, if you want me to waive the cost normally associated with getting a valuation, because, you know, if you pay a valuer, uh, they use the same data that we do and they'll charge you four or 500 bucks. So if you want me to waive that fee, 
look, I'd be honoured to give back to the community that's been doing it tough. Look, it won't cost you a penny. It is the same data that the value is used. And I'll give you this property price report on all of the things that have happened during COVID that might surprise you. Look, just um, hit reply with this saying, sure. And I'll make sure I, I rush one around to you straight away and uh, with our compliments, right? So now that would work equally on an email as on, you, you noticed how verbiage that was, you know, that could be on a Facebook Live. You put that in front of 2,000 people for $20 on a Facebook Live or a video on Facebook, you might get four or five people say, sure thing. Well, that's going to be easier than for me to get, remember, to get for me to get four or five people wanting an appraisal, that used to take me two to 500 phone calls. I know what I'd rather do, Pete, take my 20 bucks. You know? and, and and everyone that's listening, I hope you're getting this. And we're getting some really awesome uh, uh, just like, likes, mate. And we just actually had a question come in. Let me just see that one in the chat area here. Uh, it says, emails are dead. Social media and SMS is the key. Emails are now... Uh, are now for confirmation and summaries of phone conversations, SMSs and uh, or social media uh, conversations. Guys, and, and Jesse, really good comment. Uh, I agree. And- if that's the same Jesse James, this guy knows his stuff. He, yeah. along the lines of getting attention of your community and, and, uh, and marketplace, and again, I'm assuming there's only one Jesse James in, in real estate, one of the best humans alive, right? In order to do it with his, he knows that, oh, you know, list with me isn't the message to give. How about, hey, I'm putting on a bull ride, a rodeo, thousands of people come to this rodeo to watch this maniac real estate agent ride a wild bull called Widowmaker. You can bet on how long before the real estate agent gets bucked off and gored. And then he goes and rides eight seconds, which in rodeo world is called a point ride and you ride your eight seconds. How's that for connecting with people on a level other than, oh, I'm a real estate agent, you want to sell? You know. So if that's Jesse James, my mate from Queensland, he's one of the best in the game at being a person first and a real estate agent second. So what I'm getting from everything that you're saying at the moment, Glenn, is that just do not be a single channel agent. You've got to use multiple prongs to make sure that you're reaching the whole audience. Be yourself. Um, you know, don't don't try and and be someone else and cut through with different messaging that is actually going to look different and and make sure that you know the hook is out there and you can respond in good time. And and Jesse, I think you're absolutely right. Um, you you know, I got a, I got an email yesterday, and I don't I can't check my emails, but I got an SMS from someone saying check your emails. And it was just such a great thing because the what I needed to see was there, but they they took me to there, and I'll remember that. So everybody, uh, this is so good now. Oh, Next now qu- Pete, one thing I just want: there's a principle there, and they used to do it back in the day, and they don't do it as much more. What the principle there is using a media to draw your attention to another media. Remember back in the day, they used to say in the little classified ad in the newspaper or on a billboard, see our ad in Rider magazine or whatever. They used to use one media to drive to another media. They don't really do that anymore, but that's what that is. The SMS driving you to the other media where all the information is located. So great principle there. We're starting to see it a little bit on billboards where it might be Google me. You know, instead of having a phone number that no one can furiously type down, it'll just be Jesse James, the cowboy of real estate, Google me. You know, that's one media driving to another media with more info. So, yeah. Mate, how often should, should agents be out there prospecting right now? 
And what are the best agents doing right now to get more listings? Because uh, you're meeting them, all the good guys. What are the, what are the great guys doing? Um, so, Pete, I'll ask you this question. When, you, you're old enough to remember because you're sort of my vintage. And remember what used to happen at 11 or 12 at night on a TV station? What used to happen? Uh, you'd get the, the the test pattern would come on and right. uh, and they'd you start getting ready for play school in the yep. morning. And, and that's exactly right. Five to six, I'm a kid sitting there waiting for Boris's Breakfast Club to come on because the TV's been off all night, right? So what did TV stations decide to be? When is a radio station or a TV station on the air nowadays? All the time. That's the answer to the first question. When should you be on the air? Now, your question was, when should we be prospecting? So my contention to you and your, your, your guys here is, if you're considering prospecting in the way that traditionally it was taught to me, phone calls, door knocks, etc., I would say, start to redefine prospect. Because all prospecting is with a cold call or with a door knock is a media for you to transfer your marketing message one-to-one now, it's great because you're talking to a human. That's wonderful. Or you're knocking on a door even better because you're also face-to-face with them. But time-wise, it is inefficient to be prospecting in that manner. So what I would say is just using different media and perhaps even using all media, you need to be on the air 24-7. So that means your Facebook and I say Facebook a lot because Facebook is the one where us oldies who own property are per capita congregating more. I know there'll be people out there saying, yeah, but I use Instagram because that's great. Well, wonderful. But I've done my testing and found Instagram for the purposes of either property people getting exposed or, or even worse, lead generation of property folks. Instagram is a far distant second on a per result basis than Facebook where us oldies are hanging. So we should be having our marketing messages being deployed on social media, both our listings, our results, meaning our sold flyers that used to be deployed in the marketplace. And by the way, this is your answer to question, what are the best guys doing? At least that I'm training them in doing. So I can only speak to the best guys that I hang about with. Um, They're deploying on their social media channels, primarily Facebook, 10, 15% Instagram, 5% YouTube. That's about the breakdown. So we get Facebook right first. And they are deploying their listings so that their community knows that they're in real estate. They're deploying their proof. So historically, that would have been sold flyers and newsletters and testimonials and things of that nature. Well, all of those things are proof that you're awesome. That gets deployed 24-7 on Facebook, maybe at $30 a day for your proof suite. So you get a suite of ads that are listings. And that's proving to your community. That's informing your community what you do for a living. Category two is proof that you're amazing, right? So that's video testimonials, graphical testimonials, sold flyers of properties. That's all evidence that you are good at category one, which is what do you do for a living? Category three is evidence and proof and posts and videos that show you're a human, that you're real, that you're authentic. So that might be Facebook lives. You know, what you're doing now, Pete, by you're letting a uh, 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 a video going out showing that we're both kind of, you know, a bit of a talkasauruses and all of that stuff. We're showing our personality here. This is category three. Now, it's a little bit of category one showing what it is we do, 
certainly, you know, we haven't sort of belabored on, and I love what a great attitude you've got that you're hardly mentioning your open negotiation product. You're just here adding value to your community. And that's another good principle, guys. What Pete's doing, he's not just here plugging his product. He's not even plugging it. Um, he's just giving you what you need in the hopes that if ever you need an online auctioning, you know, an auction alternative, a, a private treaty alternative that you turn to his product because he's given you so much. So that's a great principle as well. But category three is showing evidence that you're a human, that you're a person. So that might even be competitions where some of my students are giving away some amazing things. And sometimes they're not even that amazing. Sometimes it's a gift voucher and 10,000 comments of people in their area will enter that competition. Now that's an extreme one, but we've had five figures worth of people commenting on a real estate agent's posts. And you've seen a typical real estate agent's post with three likes, no comments, no shares. And yet have a look at, you know, I'll put some examples in the group um, as part of this when I put up the email and I'm just noting down all the promises I'm making. So I'm just going to write down the email and the competition examples. And I'll show you some of the examples of category three. So if we get a good mix of those three categories and add to that lead generation, but the one difference of lead generation is you don't deploy it on your timeline publicly. You deploy it through ads manager so that only the people you're targeting see your request that's done in a very conversational way, like I sort of said before, that says, hey, did you want an update on kind of what your home's worth? We'll waive any fees, won't cost you a penny, no risk and all that stuff in a conversational way. But you don't have that clogging up your timeline. That's just sitting there from ads manager being shoved into the news feeds of your consumers. The other ones are too. That way the consumer in your area sees a nice consistent mix of Posts that show what you do for a living. So there is no doubt that when they see your head, your name, your brand, that they know you're in real estate. Posts that are evidence that you're great at that, sold by you, result by you, video testimonial by your consumers singing your praises, etc. That's category two. And category three, the proof that you're a person. So, you know, maybe not you drunk at the pub, but human stuff to whatever degree your personality allows. You mentioned uh, the first national guy before. That would be a combination of category three because he showed his humility. He showed his nervousness. But then you also said he had a depth of knowledge, the likes of which you've never seen. So that's category one. And even category two, a bit of proof that he used his depth of knowledge to come through. So what a great combination of categories one, two, and three. Uh, what he could do, Say he ran that video, and if he's watching, maybe send him this video, uh, uh, Pete, and say, hey, Glenn was talking about you. Run an ad to that video because it clearly cut through with Peter Clements and you don't get his attention as easy as anyone. So you got his attention. You can run an ad. And if you want some help on this, reach out to me and I'll talk you through how to do it. Or even we'll get on one of these Zoom calls and I'll help you do it. Pete, maybe that's it. Maybe get him on this call when we do this again and I'll talk him through how to make the audience of the people who watched 50% or more of that video. So he runs a couple of bucks at that first video. Then he runs a next campaign that only is seen by the people who watched 50% of the first video. You will get a far better, because think about it, they already know who he is, he got their attention. Then the next ad is only, you don't waste any money on the people who just flicked through and didn't see him, didn't know him. You only target the people. And all of that is available within Facebook. It's like saying to the West over here, um, you know, West newspaper, 
can you just run me my ad next week only to the people who hovered on my page this week and only run it, that ad to them and only charge me the percentage of the fee that would have been, you know, uh, with that 10% of the audience that looked at my ad last week. Can you please do that for me and only charge me 10% of my bill? It'd be amazing if they did, but they can't. That's exactly what Facebook can do. So, And, and, a- and guys and, and girls that are watching this, I just and, and you're all commenting, and Thomas Jefferson Wedge uh, commented saying, just be a person, mate. There's no, no bigger person than this guy. It's just amazing and honest and generous as well, just like you. But... Um, but you know this this whole business of of giving and you give so much. You've been so amazing today, mate. Um, it, it's it's just what real estate is all about. And folks, a lot of what Glenn just said is going to be Greek to you. You just it's like, what's he talking about? Paying? How do I do it? Is it my personal, mate? So I know that there's people that need help with this. I you know still am learning as I go, and I and I'm reasonable at it. How can they, this is me plugging you, how can they come to you and do you do this in any of your courses? Tell us about what you do to be able to educate people in this because there are people paying right now and if you're one of these people that are doing this, they're paying thousands of dollars to print stuff off that ends up going into letterboxes that gets chucked out and you have got, you actually piss people off from doing it and you're spending money on that rather than actually on targeted marketing, which is what Glenn's talking about. So Glenn, where do they learn this? Well, the basics, I'm just thinking what I can give them for nothing in the group will start things. I'll find some resources. That, and this is a great principle. I would urge you guys to read the thank you economy because Peter is living and breathing it with this sort of training that he does in the Better Agent series. Thank You Economy by Gary Vaynerchuk. Please avail yourself of that book and you'll see why there is a very real business application for me gifting these things to you and making it free. I get you started for free. You get value when you go and implement this stuff for free, right? Because then when you're sitting there thinking, geez, I pray to, I better go all in and learn this stuff. Um, I better contact that Glenn and see what his full training program is in mastering Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and all of those various things. So let me get you started for nothing. And so either I'll put something up in the group. I'll figure out what that is that is really adding some value in this space. Um, another thing you could do is actually, yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll link to this training we did. It was 13 hours of, ah, uh, but that doesn't help me with social. Now I'll figure out a gift for you guys. You, right? you, you if bring people it want to contact me. Yeah. And, 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 and people guys want to contact me and they know they need it. Sure. I'm not hard to find. Dig me up and say, Hey, what do you mean? Can you help me? That's fine. We'll figure it out. Um, and, uh, but yeah, uh, but I like giving first. That's how, you know, Jesse James is on here. And if he's still on here, that me giving first attitude resulted in Jesse and a dozen or so of my clients and friends a couple of years back. They shouted me a bloody Harley Davidson just to say, thanks. That's, that's what it's, you know, it's that help enough people get what they want and you get everything you want. These lunatics chipped in however much money it is to buy me this freaking hog Harley Davidson thing. Not because I'd done everything for them for free. They'd all paid me substantially. But because I sort of always try and over-deliver, they weighed up the scales that they had in their mind that they kind of owed me one back. Harley Davidson sitting in my garage that they paid for, not me. So massive love to Jesse because that gives us all the principle in action. Like that's the principle of give first and you'll get stuff. Like, and, and so, yeah, so I'll figure out how to get you guys started on. If this is gibberish, we need to get you some up to speed because the, this is the game now. 
The days of cold calls and prospecting the historically the way it was done, in my opinion, are either very soon to be over or are already over. They, they, they are, and that you know, so helpful, mate. I'm going to get through these questions now. Um, agents out there right now have got listings that are running uh, for you know 35, 40 days old. Um, some you know 90, 120, you know three months old. Um, the, we spoke about this before. You know, you you pass an auction in if it doesn't get to the price, and you, you go to private treaty. Um, mm. What's what's the what's the thing that agents should be thinking about doing now? Uh, with vendors to be able to get properties sold rather than the next agent doing it. Yeah, well, that's you, you just said it. That's what historically happens. Just like historically, auction you could convert to private treaty and say, let's have another crack doing it a different way. Most often, um, it'd be the do the clients would do it a different way. Yeah, with a new agent, a new price, and you'd done all the work to drop the price. They gave them five grand in VPA, and all the stuff that should have happened with you happens with another agent. So we want to not have that happen. So it's the same principle. We've got to try and find a way to reinvigorate the seller's enthusiasm, revisit the reasons that they're selling in the first place. The way we used to do it was I used to take one of my colleagues from the office and swap agents. Like instead of swapping method of sale, like, excuse me, because we were private treaty agents. We used to run kind of like the open negotiation system does, but without the technical technology part. We used to do it manually. You know, same principles, though, having private treaty bidding going on with, um, so it's almost like bidding and the auction stuff, but happening via the private treaty one-on-one methodology. So same thing as you guys do as your open negotiation clients do online, we used to do manually. So our only way of reinvigorating an old listing was to swap agents. Like we would take another agent from my agency and say, you know, this is uh, uh, Rose. She's got a different marketplace, a different database, different skills that she brings to the table. And because we gave a good crack with my skills, um, that didn't end up getting the price you wanted, even though we got a couple of offers. What I'm going to do is hand the front of house reins over to Rose because she can sometimes get results, uh, you know, in situations depending on the house and depending on certain variables. And 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 by and similarly, she does the same thing for me because I have a unique set of skills. So in the unlikely event when we are at this fork in the road, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, this is definitely a way for us to get some results. So that was one way we would swap agents. But now that people have another method of sale other than private treaty that is still sort, because it's really hard to convert private treaty and say, I know what we'll do, Pete, let's try an auction. That's a tough one. Not impossible, but tough. Whereas to go from private treaty to an open negotiation, you can use all the scripting and dialoguing. And if you've done, if you guys are watching this and you haven't done the training that's in the group, you've got to do the open negotiation training. Because when you explain that training to the seller, they will, you can talk them through maybe how they've bought properties in the past. And if they've stolen the properties in the past, meaning if they've bought well from another agent, you'll be able to talk them through how the open negotiation system stops them from stealing it from you. And you'll be able to talk them through how if you'd have taken them through that system, they would have paid more money because you're taking them through the getting them in the front door to fall in love with the property. Then once they're in love with the property, that fear of loss that happens when they see firsthand other people bidding, they, they can start to empathize for how it would have been if they were on the buying side of this equation. Once little Jenny has fallen in love with her bedroom and picked it out, 
You're taking advantage of that emotional connection that those buyers have to that house and you're extracting money on behalf of your seller. Now that sounds harsh, but that's what you're paid to do, right? You're not paid to leave a little bit of money in it for the buyer, you know? Now the seller can leave a bit in it for the next guy as the age old axiom goes, but you're not legally allowed to do that. You have to get the highest price possible. So, so long as it's fair, honest and professional, which is the law in Queensland, and there's nothing more fair and honest than them going through the app and seeing where it's sort of up to and what bidding they've got to do. Like the prices there on realestate.com of what the current bid is at if you're using the open negotiation app so or that system. And um, beautiful thing. So if you can clearly articulate the benefits of that system, and I'm not sitting here, Pete didn't tell me to plug and shill his system, I promise you. I said, hey, that system's great. So if that lends itself to any of these questions, in this case, it absolutely does. Is that if you, now first step is, you've got to learn how to describe buyer psychology and sell psychology as good or better than Peter can. And he bloody invented the thing, him and his partners, right? You need to get that right. Then if you can go to your sellers, if they're a little bit old, and then describe this. And if it's the first time you've done it, you could go to those sellers and say, Mr. Mr. Seller, I know that COVID's really impacted of late uh, the result that we've, that we've wanted to get. So while these buyers right now are starting to come to opens again, the government are legislatively opening it up and all of that. I've got something I want to show you. It's a brand new technology, unheard of in our area. Now, don't lie if someone else in your area is using it, but if you're the first one to be using it in your area, no other agents in this area even know about this system and certainly none are using it. Let me walk you through the steps of biopsychology that this new cutting-edge system will allow us to utilise in your favour that is so far removed from the way real estate has traditionally been done, even the way you bought this property, I promise you that if you ran through this system when you fell in love with this property, you would have paid that agent more money if they had these skills in their arsenal. Just lucky for you, they didn't. So you bought well, congratulations. Let's get this thing done. And go in and articulate that method of sale and uh, what a great alternative than losing it to the opposition who just drops the price, gets some VPA, and they get paid. And you did half the work for them. It all happened to all of us once, and it's uh, and you never want it to ever happen again. Okay, uh, right, rapid fire. Here we go. Facebook or Instagram, you covered that one. Uh, your dream dinner guest. It was Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I've done that six times now. So Will Smith... You know what? I've got my list. Will Smith, Oprah, Barack Obama, Chris Hemsworth, The Rock. Awesome. I love that. Uh, <laughs> and um, favourite person you've ever worked with? Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and uh, if you could have a superpower, what would it be? Oh, God. I'm trying to think of a better answer. I know, look, I was always a Superman fan, but he's too all-powerful. So probably Batman because he's smart. <laughs> and, uh, and if you could grow a bit, no. Uh, name a brand, uh, sorry, name a brand whose marketing inspires you. Was that one you skipped? If you could grow a beard, what would it be? Because you're clearly <laughs> seeing that I can't, you son of a gun. Hey, I'm trying it in the COVID lockdown and you can see I'm not doing a good job. <laughs> All right, what was the question I skipped because I was focused on the... Sorry, yeah, no, I was just teasing. We were talking about growing beards. I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm still uh, you know, well, growing. nor can I, clearly. <laughs> um, have you... Uh, yeah, what, what brand inspires you or uh, whose marketing inspires you? 
Yeah, Virgin historically, because Richard was always a cheeky son of a gun, and he was on my list. I used to have a list. It was Arnold Schwarzenegger was number one, Richard Branson was number two, Gary V was number three. We've ticked off all of them, having worked and socialised with all of them. But I loved Richard in that I remember one of his branding attention getting stunts, if you will. The eye was the London Eye was like like lying down flat, and it was sponsored by British Airways in some way or something. So when they were having trouble getting it to be the, the Ferris wheel or whatever it was, he quickly got, I think it was a blimp or something, the Virgin branded blimp to have skywriting behind it saying British Airways can't get it up. You know, so I've always loved that Richard is an attention getting tart. You know what I mean? And I've always, it less so in his, you know, in his more responsible years, but it's the book by, um, and if you, if you want to get this book, Seth Godden called Purple Cow. Richard Branson, Gary V. I try and embody that is, um, yeah, so, you know, to answer that question, it'd be Richard Branson, because he follows, un- unknowingly, he follows the principles of Purple Cow. Now, um, the girls have told me, uh, I don't know what they're talking about, but if you've ever seen Tiger King, are you Team Carol Baskin oh, or Team Joe Exotic? I, I got I wish I could have a fun and funny answer, but I'm going to have a serious one for a moment. If any of your guys are serious about their success and they can answer that question, then they better rethink some of their choices. Now I'm sitting here talking to them like I'm a coaching client, like I'm their coach and they're paying me for this advice. I know that you can take this with a grain of salt and ignore my advice if you will. But if you've got time to watch Tiger King or Ozark or, or Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad or any of those shows. Now, I've got my guilty pleasures. Don't get me wrong. I haven't missed a Marvel movie since they started, right? Never a one. Infinity War, I saw five times because I've got two kids in coughs, one kid in, you know, Brisbane, Naomi in Perth with kids. Saw five times theatrically. Saw, Infin- uh, saw Endgame six times theatrically. Once by myself, once a, so I have my guilty pleasures, but I don't have the 28 hours or the 10 seasons. I've never watched a minute of Game of Thrones, a minute of Tiger King, a minute of Ozark, a minute of House of Cards. I've watched any of them. And I'm a movie buff and a TV buff, but I'm on a mission. So temporarily, I ain't binging nothing. During this COVID thing, I've been listening to tens of thousands of hours. Okay, maybe not all in COVID, but total tens of thousands of hours of me listening to people like me teaching me how to do what you guys now pay me to do so go all in and learn and then once you've learned all that and you're earning millions of dollars a year go sit on a yacht and watch tiger king but for now if you're in financial uh stress and duress you have no business watching tiger king there you go. I'm hey, off my horse now. No, no, I love it because uh, I, I, equally, I, I, I saw it for a moment on on uh, on telly, and it just looked like shit. So, um, so the uh, the next question because we got eight minutes left, and I'm going to go. If there's any questions from anyone, please let us know. If you're loving this, like it, love it. Um, but here we go. Uh, career in uh, real estate is a juggling act. How do uh, uh, agents avoid burnout? Staff everything you hate because there is not a single thing you do on a day-to-day basis that burns you out that you couldn't pay a maximum of $50 an hour for. Now, the last thing to go is listing appointments and buy negotiations, but even them, you could pay $50 an hour to have done for you. There isn't a single task that you couldn't get someone in and pay an hourly rate to do for you. So start chipping away at all of those things and you won't get burnt out. Why is goal setting so important? Hmm. 
I like to change the word from goal setting because goal almost implies that you're not going to hit it. Yeah, that's the thing I aim for, but I never hit. So it depends on you. If you're the type, because you need something to aim for. Because I tell you, if your target for the year is, oh, I could do a bit more, yeah, a bit more would be good, you're never going to hit it because you're not aiming at anything. So I like to call it, if you're the type that is going to set a target and you, um, you, you sort of never hit it, call it a promise. Bring your target down to something a little more than you're doing, but uh, not shooting for the stars that you know it's possible, but it's more than you're doing. And don't call it a goal, call it a promise. Break it down to daily activities that will make that promise happen that are controllable by you and draw a line in the sand and promise yourself that it's going to happen and maybe set a punishment for non-achievement, not of the goal, not of the promise, not of the end result, but of the daily activities to get it. So if that breaks down that you have to deliver one property price report, check up on price appraisal per day, do not go to bed until you've delivered one, right? Period. You'll die before you miss. Now, if you always hit your goals, stretch yourself a bit more and aim for the, you know, like aim for the, the stars and yeah, you might hit it, but you might not. And, you know, say you've, you've, you're at 600,000, you want to do a million, aim for 2 million. And if you're half right, you'll do 1.2. It all depends on your personality, but you do need something to aim for. Otherwise you'll just be, eh, you, you won't be getting up at three and just living your life on uh, adrenaline and stuff. Cause there's no passion in your world. Just, oh, yeah, a bit more would be good. Go get a job then. You know, so anyway. all right, four minutes left. Uh, now I'm going to I'm going to wrap these two into one, which is uh, agents dedicating themselves to p- uh, professional and uh, personal development outside of work. And what should what's your one piece of advice that you would give anyone who wants to be a better agent? Okay, so it's they're, they're both the same answer for me. Michael Spillane handed me a book called The Magic of Thinking Big, uh, and by David Schwartz, and I hated it. I thought, oh, that's a crap Amway people read, those motivational books. But it was a condition of our company that I was part-time, if you remember, and I was just, uh, and so I'd never done any of that stuff. But we were forced as a team to all read this book. So I read it. I then read Personality Plus and Think and Grow Rich and The Success System Never Fails and all the epics and classics. And then that led me to speaking programs and audio programs, and I bought every seminar. So for me... The one thing that led to all of this stuff that's been success for me, having Arnold Schwarzenegger's phone number in my phone, being in business with uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's phone numbers in his phone, Richard Branson's PA, their phone numbers are in this phone. And, what, and I've socialized and befriended and fulfilled the life of my dreams. And the one thing that made all that happen was those books that I used to roll my eyeballs at. The books, the training programs, the audio programs, etc. 10,000 plus hours now have gone into this head when at the start, I like scoffed at it so what i would say is maybe start and the beauty of it is now that we've got audible you don't even have to read a book you can have the author read it to you you've got podcasts audible you've got audio programs youtube videos that will basically teach you to do anything from anyone including myself so now there's no excuse other than you'd rather watch tiger king so you want to take i'm getting back on my high horse but take a good hard look at your choices and whether do you really want it as bad as you say you do And it's okay if you don't, because not everyone wants to fulfill and live the life of their dreams, or not everyone's willing to sacrifice what it takes to do so. And if you are, then get working. Well, folks, that's it. I think I got my 20 questions out. The girls are giving me the nod. Glenn. Wow. How we did that, I'm stunned, brother. 
But yeah, me too. It was awesome. Um, I, I think if you've watched this, if you're listening to it, because we're, we're putting this now onto, um, what is it called, um, podcasts. You can listen to this on a podcast. I will listen to this over and over. There is so much great content in here. If you have not gone and joined one of Glenn's programs, you've got to do it. And the beautiful thing is that we've connected really, really well. I, I, I'm, I'm now going to consider Glenn as one of the guys that's in my phone that um, I can share and, and create and have good beers with when he's here in Perth. Mate, I know you're busy. And uh, again, I cannot thank you enough for your generosity, time and, Pleasure, and, and knowledge. It's just been fantastic. I'll get you some goodies for the group, uh, as promised, my man. Some email scripts and uh, some competition examples and things like that. So, mate, can't wait till next time, bud. 